0: Hi, TYB On The Run, we're welcome to the book of Philemon or Philemon, however you want to say it. This incredible one chapter text or letter is such an incredible little letter that packs a punch of forgiveness and we're going to talk about this. Now, these Bible blasts are about reading the Word of God over you, so let me start. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. Also to Apia, our sister, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding for every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of your Lord's people. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is has none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him... Who is my very heart back to you? I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favour you do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention you owe me your very self. I do wish, my brother, that I may have some benefit from you and the Lord refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Oh, this text is so cheeky. This is Paul being the cheekiest um, apostle at this stage. Because when you realise the background of this text, you realise these little nuances, these little things that he says to kind of convince Philemon to do what he's saying in a little bit of a, not manipulative, because Paul's not being manipulative, a very cheeky way of saying, hey, you owe me your life and we're going to go through each of these. So forgive Onesimus. Now what is happening in this book and how did this tiny little book get in the Bible? Every time I read this book I'm like, why is this in the text? Because these um, letters that were put into the text weren't just put in there because, you know, oh, they, they were the last letters found, um, you know, when they just shoved everything in from Paul. They're put in there because they follow the doctrine. There is something in these letters that we need to get out of them. Now, the first thing when you notice in this letter is Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. That's That's very unusual, right? Because we know with Titus and Timothy, the letter; those letters are, you know, are kind of personal pastoral letters to church leaders. Whereas Philemon, he doesn't call him um, his son in the faith or anything, as he does in Titus and Timothy. He kind of calls him his fellow worker. Now we know that Philemon. When you look at the date of Philemon, Philemon was sent with the letter to the Colossians. Why? Because we know in the letter to the Colossians, it mentions Anisimus and it says, I'm sending Anisimus to you. So we know that Anisimus, or Onesimus, however you want to say that, Anisimus was sent with the Colossians letter and the Philemon letter. Now, history and most um, scholars will tell us that Philemon ran a house church in the cities of Colossae. So he's kind of like a pastoral leader, so to speak. He is a house church leader. And imagine this moment. Now, let me tell you the background. Who is Anisimus? Because in this text, we see that Paul actually says, I appeal to you for my son Anisimus. Same language that he, he uses for Timothy and Titus. Same language that he uses for those um, that he were actually saved under his ministry and that he brought in as a sense of son, as somebody who was useful to him, he goes on to explain. Now, Anisimus is this. Anisimus was a servant, a slave of Philemon. We know that as you go through this text, you can hear it. And a slave in those times was the people that did the manual labor, you know, the, the, the cleaning, the the looking after the children, the even the doctors were slaves because the masters didn't want to get educated. Why would a master get educated? What a waste of time. I would just educate my slaves and they will tell me what I need to know and they will do all the things that I need to do. Um, you know, what what what's the point if they were educated when they were young, but a master didn't need to be educated in medicine because, you know, the slave came in and did all the medicine. It's a kind of, you know, this trade system, um, they would do all the menial tasks that the masters didn't want to do. Now Onesimus was the slave of Philemon and it's and it, it was very normal at the time for um, Christians to have slaves because they're in a Greco-Roman world and they would have slaves that would t- take care of the, the the family tasks, take care of these tasks. Now, again, w- uh, for us we think slavery and we, we automatically think it's bad and I agree that it is bad. In this day, it was very much the, the, the one third of society was slaves. It was very much the, the kind of, epicenter of trade and how they got things done and um, very embedded in their culture. So you've got to get this essence that um, slavery is very much a part of their their economic culture. It's how how people function. It's how people get wages. It's how people get educated. And there were some horrific masters that treated slaves horrendously, and most of them did. But you would hope that Philemon wasn't one of those. You would hope that Philemon, as a church leader, did not treat his, his slaves um, badly. Now, there's a little bit of a caveat on that because we know that Anissimus wanted to be so free, wanted to be free, and he ran away from Philemon. He ran away. And some um history actually tells us, or some scholars actually say that he, he ran away with maybe some money. The reason that we say that is did you hear that he says, Whatever he owed you, charge it to my account. He kind of poorly saying, whatever he maybe stole from you, whatever he owed you, put it on my bill. This is such a Christ-like letter, Paul being like Christ, coming in and setting this debts of the slave and taking that, that debt on himself. Now we know that Onesimus is in prison with Paul possibly because he's caught and he's a slave and he's been put in prison and he has become useful to Paul. It's quite an amazing um word analogy here. Let me let me explain what this looks like. Because where he says anissimus, he actually says, um, formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. The reason he's using this word pun, we don't understand this word pun, is because anissimus means useful. <laughs> and he's saying his name actually is what he is. Formerly he was useless to you. He is now encompassing his name he is useful to me in christ in christ and i'm in chains and he has been very useful to me in here but imagine this moment now let's think about this from Nissimus point of view you have got away from your master you have been captured because you are a slave and unfortunately in those days slavery you had to um some was paying penalty of death. You had to go back and pay the penalty of what you had done. If you'd stolen money, you had to go back. And Philemon had every right under law to punish Anissimus. Philemon had every right under, law, under the law when or when came back into his presence to punish him. But Paul is so incredible in this letter because he sends a letter of Colossians to the church And you can imagine them so excited about these letters from Paul to to the church. And you imagine as this senior minister grabbing this letter and saying, this is to my church and this is to me personally. It is this personal accountability of this pastor. Is he going to read both letters to the church? Is he going to read Colossians? And he definitely would have read Colossians to the church. But is he going to read the second letter from Paul? Is he going to read it and take it on as much as he would in his public life? Is he going to get his personal life under control? Is he going to forgive when he has every right to punish? Is the person standing before him, imagine Anissimus, this slave Paul saying, mate, you have to go back, you have to get this right, and he walks back into this situation and hands him, Philemon, his master, both of these letters one a letter of declaration to, for his church, and another a letter of forgiveness. And you have to n- imagine that moment, guys. What did he do? Now we only have the cheeky side of the letter. We only have Paul saying, "Hey, I'm going to send Anissimus back to to you. He's he's very useful." Now let me let me go through now, knowing the history, the cheekiness of this letter. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love again and again and again. In the introduction of this letter, did you notice he says, I've heard about your love. I've heard about your grace and your how good you are with the holy people. And I've heard about your faith and your partnership and your deepening, your understanding of every good thing we share. And he's kind of saying, I've heard about your public ministry. Now I want to know about your private life. He said, I've heard about how amazing you are, Philemon. Now I want to know the nuts and bolts of it. Do you actually live out what you preach? Do you actually preach forgiveness, but then what, not forgive those around you. And there's this real challenge in this text, guys, for us TYB to go, is my public life, my public message, the same as my private life? Do I forgive? Do I forgive those, my family, my friends? Do I forgive? Or do I say forgive, forgive, and not do it personally? And this this amazing moment where Colossians and the letter of Colossians and Philemon are handed to him by his very slave. And you can imagine the church knowing full well he probably preached on Anissimus and how bad he was, and you know, uh, you know, my Anissimus left me, and he stole money from me, and now this moment of encounter of Philemon and this and this Anisimus slave standing before this pastor and saying, and this church person, let's say, don't specify pastor, but this church, this Christian, and saying, "Will you live out what you preach?" and it's this amazing incredible moment let me let me keep reading this incredible cheeky text he says um I'm sending him, who is my very heart, saying he is very important to me. Do not discard him. Do not imprison him. Do not punish him. Back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains with the gospel. He is so cheeky. Paul's basically saying, Onesimus actually was taking your place because, you know, as a follower of Christ, you should lay down your life for the sake of the gospel. And, you know, I'm saying that Anissimus actually came in and laid down his life maybe for you. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced, (laughs) but would be voluntary. I have to say, Paul's put Philemon in a position where he is pretty much forced, but he's still saying your choice of forgiveness is voluntary. You have a choice at this point, Philemon, and I say this to you guys, TYB, you have a choice to forgive. You have a choice at this moment. Now, I have to say, let me keep going, perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. Now, listen to this, guys. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a brother, he is saying, "Forgive his debts. Forgive him as a slave. So much. Don't accept him as a slave that that um, took money from you, and you have every right under Roman law to punish him." He's saying, "Accept him and forgive him, not just to restore him back to a slave, but accept and forgive him and restore him." as a brother in Christ. This means Philemon not only under the law has to forgive him and restore him back to his previous position, but forgive him to the point that you actually bless him. Oh my goodness. This is just crazy. It's just like this in depth of this letter. You can imagine Anissimus going, what happened? What am I going to do? Imagine the the faith and the boldness of Anissimus to just stand before this man and say, look, this man has his his life in his hands basically. Philemon can punish him and put him back in prison even to kill him at this stage under Greco-Roman law, but what is he going to do? He says, he is very dear to me. And again and again, Paul pleads for Philemon. Um, so if you consider me a par- partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. It's this, can you see this? This essence of Christology, this essence of Christ, where Paul is standing in the gap for Anissimus saying, I will take his debts on, treat him as though you would treat me. There's this beautiful essence of and it's not a slave standing before you but a brother in Christ and even Paul himself. What you would do to Paul himself you need to do to the lower of these and that's what he's saying. What you would do to me I want you to do to Anissimus. and this would be such a brain stretch, so countercultural for the time, guys, because they were all about, you know, punishment and, and if you do something wrong, especially as a slave you have no rights and Paul is saying no, I'm stepping in just like Christ stepped in for us. I'm stepping in and saying, treat him as you would treat me. It's really cheeky and really amazing. I, Paul, am writing this to you with my own hand, meaning I didn't use a scribe. This was so important to me that I wrote this letter myself. I took the time to write it myself. And then he says, I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self, this cheeky moment where he's saying whatever Anissimus um, took from you, I'll pay it back, but actually you owe me your life. So, you know, you could probably just charge it against that. It's like saying to Christ, you know, Christ, you, Jesus, you owe me something. And it's like actually I owe Christ nothing because I, <laughs> my very life is, very, is much ingrained in Christ. I wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for Christ. And Paul's almost got this cheeky moment confidence of your obedience I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask he's saying don't just restore him as a slave restore him as a brother and one more thing oh my gosh this is the funniest cheekiest moment you get to the end end of this letter and you think that Paul couldn't be any cheekier and then he does he says prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers he's saying by the way I'm coming to check up on you to see how you actually do. This is not going away for Philemon. He is not going to, firstly, it's a public letter. Colossians, Anissimus arrives with Colossians and Philemon. So the church knows that there's two letters. The church knows that there's something going on. And visually, Onesimus is there. So the church is like, oh, my gosh, what? how, how is he going to react? And then in this letter, he says, charge it to me, all of these cheeky moments. And then he says, and by the way, prepare a guest room because I'm coming. And it's just this end of this incredibly cheeky. But imagine this, guys. Can I say the most hardest thing to do is forgive somebody that has done you wrong, that that has genuinely, you have the right to be angry. Maybe you're a victim in something, maybe you were abused and you have every right to be angry. You have every right to, to not want to be around that person and you have every right to... To punish that person, like Philemon does, under legislation, under law, you have every right to be angry. And Paul acknowledges that. He doesn't say you don't have a right. He says, I acknowledge that you have a right to be angry. I acknowledge that Onesimus owes you something. But he says, in Christ, let it go, forgive, and not just forgive, Forgive so that this this Onesimus can be released into the ministry that God has called him to be. And I think, guys, that is the hardest thing. When you have the right to be angry, to forgive. And I don't know about you, but that, when you wrestle with that concept of letting go of your own rights, I have this right and letting that go like Christ did at the Garden of Gethsemane. He knelt down and he let go of his rights and he said, not my will but yours be done. There is this moment of Gethsemane where we have to forgive when we don't want to forgive. We have to let it go and we have every right to be angry. In this letter and in your life, Christ is not saying you don't have a right to be angry. He's saying, yeah, you do have a right to be angry, but you know what? It's not good for you. Let it go. And I love this beautiful essence of Philemon. Now, in this text, we know that perhaps Philemon did actually forgive Anissimus. How do I know that? Because he kept the letter. We have it. No one is going to put a letter in a Bible or keep it in the church because these letters in the, in the Bible had to remain in circulation in the church um, to be in this text. They had to be very popular in that time. So we know that he would have done this as almost like an example. Guys, Look at, look at me. I, I got this letter and I got an isimus and I forgave. It's almost like saying Philemon used this letter as a preaching tool from then that point on from forgiveness to say, you know what? I had every right under the Greco Roman culture. I had every right to hate. I had every right to punish him. But under Christ in the kingdom, my laws and legislations are different and I forgave. And this, this is why we have this letter of Philemon, because Philemon did what Paul said. And you imagine that moment that Paul turns up and it's, and he did what he said, and he must've been so proud of Philemon. He's like, mate, that was a hard one. You actually had to forgive. And you know what? The demonstration of this letter in the Greco-Roman world that, that a house church pastor would stand up and say, you know what, I had every right to be hateful and to be vengeful, but I chose under Christ to forgive and I'm better for it. And Onesimus is released into his ministry. So what an incredible tiny little letter that he packs an absolute punch and I hope you've loved studying Philemon with me.